and welcome to A Course of Love Study with Cheryl. I'm Cheryl Forrest. First, a big thank you to Marie Perron for writing the book we are currently studying called A Course of Love. You might consider purchasing my book just for today, which we are using as a companion in this study. Books and meditation CDs can be found in the show notes below. A big thanks to all of you who wish to support us through Patreon. The links are below and look forward to sharing some perks with you in the future. During this podcast, you're going to hear book club folks that are in the room with me, as well as other members on Zoom. As a book club, we've been going for many years and we've started this podcast so that others who cannot meet with us may share the insights and the, and the love and really the humor of this group happy to see you join us in all of it. Most importantly, as you begin this study with us, choose to study and listen from your heart. Remind yourself often, you are precious. Whisper to yourself from your heart through your day with the deepest of love. I am love. I am loved. I love. So let's begin. We're going to start by taking some nice deep breaths. Sit back and relax. Just do a little internal check. And notice where there's any tension. and invite the tension to leave. Do it as a measure of gentle invitation. Not something you push, not something you demand, not something you force, but just an invitation to relax. We have habitual places that we carry tension. They're good friends. We hang on to them. We're reluctant to even let them go while we're sleeping. So let's invite those parts of the body to let it go. And remind yourself, it's not a failure of the body to be tense. It's protecting. It's trying to keep you who live within safe. So invite it to let go. Sometimes it gets a bit confusing how many of us there are. So for a moment, put all of your awareness just on the body, the physical body. Allow yourself to fill the physical body. And if you kind of step back from the physical body, envisioning that you're stepping 
out of it, beside it or behind it. Have a look at the emotional body. Fill it with love. Notice if it's larger or smaller or the same size as your physical body. And then step back or out of the emotional body and discover the mental body. And again, notice is it larger, smaller, or the same size as your physical body? Invite it to relax. Be filled with peace. Expand again, step out of that mental body and find that spiritual body. And fill it with love. But notice, you could step out again. So who is that you? This is the divine you. It is all knowledge, all love, all wisdom, all truth, all humor, all joy. It belongs to the Creator, to the universe, to eternity. And yet we perceive all these other parts of us as us. So if I take the truth of me, the divine you, and embrace the mental body and embrace the emotional body and embrace the physical body. I know myself as one, but having many facets. I have an emotional body that can explore the world I'm living in and a mind that can learn the things the world teaches. They're vehicles, a body I can walk around in. They're vehicles that allow me to delight in my life, in my world that I'm living in. But I, who live within, am of a substance of heaven itself. So the body is a divine outfit that you get to wear every day. <laughs> Deep breaths and open your eyes.
Welcome to day 30. It's called Yielding to Wholeness. What is common is shared and is a characteristic representative representation of the whole. Just as simple fractions can be added together to achieve wholeness, once a common denominator is found, your own fractionist, is that the way you would say it? Fractionist can yield to wholeness through the common denominator of the self. Should I say it again? Put on your little math cap. Think about it this way. What is held in common is shared and is a characteristic represent, representation of the whole. Just as simple fractions can be added together to achieve wholeness, once a at once can't even talk, once a common denominator is found, your own fractionist can yield to wholeness through the common denominator of the self. A common denominator is simply that which yields to wholeness. This yielding is a natural process. To yield is to give up, to surrender, but also to produce and bear fruit. So we have often thought of ourselves, like our little meditation here, as parts. And we talk about it. Part of me thinks I shouldn't have chocolate, but another part of me knows that I must in order to save the world. Okay. So <laughs> it's, it's an act of sacrifice to have that chocolate. Okay. So we know this. All right. So we often feel that there's, a, a, there's all kinds of talk about a good me and a bad me. And we have comparisons we are constantly making about little bits of ourselves and parts of ourselves. But if I'm coming from the divine me, I now include all of this. Questions, thoughts? We're good? Yeah? Okay, so we're now including all of this. We're actually embracing, if you would, so all those parts that you've seen as separate from yourself or wanted to keep separate because, you know, they were bad, okay, or they were not good enough, or if anybody knew, or I'm not good enough to be able to be good enough, all right, any of that kind of separation or judgment I've had now goes away. So I'm not segregating myself when I'm stepping into this whole um, union of the truth of who I am. I come as a whole being and I live my life through the wholeness of it. Does that make sense so far? Kind of, sort of, okay. The two levels of experience we have spoken of might be seen as the process, much like in math, through which the common denominator is found. The common denominator is not by itself the whole, but is, in combination, the whole. In order for a common denominator to be found, more than one 
fraction part or variable must exist. The purpose of finding a common denominator is to translate what is more than one into one. An assumption of wholeness is common in every denominator. A denominator is a named entity. To denominate is to name in the beginning. The, separation, the separated expressions of the whole were named. This naming was an act of creation, stating simply the existence of what was named or denominated. Existence and wholeness are the same. Thus, your existence, the existence of the self, is or can be a common denominator of wholeness. In our act of saying it is so, we name or denominate the divine self as what is common to wholeness. Despite unlimited variations being available, commonality is also always available. Thus, no matter how fractious, fractious are the separate selves, commonality and wholeness always exist. And, is, and have always existed. Wholeness. Cheryl. Yes. I almost got that. Could you say it another way? So in order to have, um, okay, so first, the first part was a beautiful, ex, a beautiful example of how things were created. For me, to name something, I create separation. And yet it is part of the whole. So me, for me to name a foot, I make my foot separate, even though it is part of the whole of the body. To name my hand, I, keep, I name it as a separate thing, even though it is part of the whole body. Okay? So when I named earth, it is a part of the whole of creation, but now we have a separated, a separated planet, okay? And if I named elephants, if I named avocados and chocolate, of course, if I named those, they're all separate, but they are also a part of the whole experience of being on this planet and being a divine being. So the concept of a denominator is a named entity. On one hand, I'm creating separation by naming it. And the next step that we're working on is bringing it back into and seeing it as the whole. The separation can lead to the judgment, which of course none of us have right now because we're just on day 30, okay? So we don't have that anymore, but it can lead to that because we've grown up a lot with comparison in our world. This is sweet, this is sour, this is black, this is white, this is better, this is best. We, can, we learned mentally and experientially in our world, we've learned through comparison. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the nature of the planet and where we are at this point. It helps us discover things. It helps us think in that way of separation comparisons. Uh, judgment slipped in there with that, just in case you didn't weren't aware of it, but judgment can slip in. 
um, points of view are, again, just a point of view. And it's meant to create separation. We're going to be bringing in a celebration of wholeness or oneness or union with it. Does that help? Yes, thank so you. That whole, that whole paragraph talks about, in the beginning, the separate expressions of the whole were named. That's about, we call that birth, okay, and in another term. We don't make it right or wrong. It just is, and we embrace it as part of the oneness. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So despite unlimited variations being available, commonality is also always available. Thus, no matter how fractious, fractious are the separated selves, commonality and wholeness always exist and have always existed. So another way you might think of it is um, that the your whole body has always existed. We just think of it in terms of the body, not in the bigger concept of life itself, but your whole body is solid. It's working. It's doing its thing. But there are separate little parts that we have named of it. And we can focus on that separate part and we can give it a life of its own, or sometimes it does have its own life, okay? Um, but it is still part of the whole body. Right? Yep. Wholeness cannot be achieved without joining. Thus, the common, commonly known injunction of where two or more are joined together. If you would think of this term as this in terms of God or the state of wholeness, or beingness, separating into more than one in order to know itself, you would see that the knower and the known are one. Clear? So pretty much, there's a loving insanity going on here. Okay? So it would be like your, you know, where there's a bazillion science, science fiction stories, and... Uh, Hollywood's done a great job of giving us some visuals of this, but it's kind of like a part of you just, like we just did in this meditation, a part of you just step out of you and and look back at you and went, oh my God, you're perfect, okay? And came back in again. And, uh, And so you have, your creator has created this body and this world for you to explore and learn from. And the divine you, has stepped in and made it a divine form. And we're about to take and help the whole of existence go up another notch of consciousness, more aligned to oneness and wholeness rather than from separation and division. Should I say it different? Does that make sense? Okay. So, yes. So that line where two or more are joined together. Yeah. I've heard that in so many religious ceremonies. And marriage. And marriages. Yes. And then when I think about it, if it's the the heart and the mind are joined together, we activate the God within. And that is the joining with God. Okay. uh, We don't have to do any more now. She's got it. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So... 
And there, he's presenting a different way. If you would think of this in terms of God or the state of wholeness or beingness, separating into more than one in order to know itself, in order to have this crazy notion that I could discover more by separating out, you would see that knower and known are one. How many times have you felt it would be great to clone yourself so you could get everything done at once? It's a similar kind of move. Okay, but out of loving joy, not just out of getting more work done. But every one of those cloning parts of you would still be a part of you. It'd just be expanded out. So they all had an experience different than the one you were having and then come back together and you know it all. If you thought of it that way, okay? You would see that two or more are needed in order for knowing to occur. To not know wholeness would be to be in a state of nothingness. That's pretty clear. Thus, the joining of two or more are needed in order for wholeness to be known and thus to exist as a state of conscious awareness. Now, let us consider this in terms of experience. As knower, and known are one. Experience and experiencer are one. In other words, one must experience in order to know. Right? It follows then that what is experienced is what is known. It also follows then that to not experience joining is to not experience wholeness. Stated another way, the self cannot know the divine self without joining with the divine self. The divine self must be the knower and the known, the experiencer and the experience, the experience and the experiencer. The quest to join with God is this quest, the quest to be the knower and the known, the experience and the experiencer. The culmination of this quest, then, is joining. Thoughts or questions on this? So, I'm, I'm thinking sort of beyond joining the parts of myself, but recognizing that all the other individuals on the planet are part of the wholeness and oneness. And... And there are individuals that I would be happy to, you know, join with on a on a uh, energetic level and 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 like, ooh, I can't even speak. And acceptance of the oneness. And then there are individuals whose life choices I wouldn't choose to join with. But I intellectually I understand that that they're still part of the whole and so I'm I'm wondering how to navigate the thinking and the um, experience of the joining with all of that so we're gonna I think we need to do the next chapter okay. to answer that for you okay because that's a there's a like that's like a two hour conversation that we can have here, but a, a yeah. shorter version would be to do the do follow through with the next chapter on that. Okay. okay.